Today on Hardwired. He is able to make all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called, 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 called according to his purpose. That means God has a plan. God had revealed a plan to him before all of his troubles hit. So Joseph trusted that what was happening to him was not the final chapter. And what is happening to you is not the final chapter. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message, but you can also listen to it again or any of the messages anytime you would like at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, last time we started talking about Bible characters who went through incredible trials, very difficult times, were just taken down to the mat in life, and yet by faith, they overcame. And today we're going to talk about one of my favorite Old Testament characters, Joseph, and how Joseph overcame incredible injustice. He was betrayed, he was lied about, he was slandered. Joseph went through such a hard time, and yet he was able to emerge on the other side, triumphant, victorious, and in a place of incredible promotion. So if you're down and out today, I want you to tune in, grab your Bible, and listen carefully to the Word of God. I'm excited to share part two of Joseph's Injustice. Let's go. Now the story of Joseph is a lengthy one, and I'm just gonna kind of capsulize his life story, and then I'm gonna share some things with you out of this. Joseph was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And Joseph was his favorite, obviously, because one day Jacob made Joseph a coat of many colors. It was a special coat. I mean, he made him a sharp outfit and he wrapped Joseph in this coat. Now, the Bible says that Joseph, as a young man, had spiritual, supernatural dreams. He dreamed supernatural dreams that were blueprints, hints at what his future held. One day he dreamed a dream and he was out harvesting in the field. And he saw that his harvest outgrew the harvest of his brothers and of his parents. And he saw them bowing down to him. Then he had another dream. And the Bible says he dreamed about the sun and the moon and 11 stars, the sun being Jacob, the moon being his mother, and the 11 stars being his 11 brothers. And he said, I saw the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowing down to me. Well, Jacob heard these dreams and he said, are you kidding me? You think that I'm going to bow down to you and your mother and your brothers are all going to bow down to you? But Joseph hid these things in his heart because God was showing him the day is going to come, Joseph, when you're going to be in a position of authority over your brothers and your family. I'm going to promote you greatly. But Joseph had no idea what his future really held. But the Bible says that later, just to go through the rest of the story quickly, 
Pharaoh had dreams. Pharaoh began to dream dreams. Now Joseph is down there. He's learning his gift in his trial, in his suffering, in his pain. He is learning his gift. And by the time Pharaoh has his dreams, he says, I will interpret these dreams. The word, now finally, finally the man remembers that Joseph interpreted his dreams, pulls him up in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him his dreams. Joseph interprets them. He says, here it is, Pharaoh. There's gonna be seven years of abundance in Egypt. And then there's gonna be seven years of famine so bad that if you don't store up food, nobody is gonna have enough food to eat. Everybody will die. You need to start laying aside food in the good times because the bad times are coming. And Pharaoh said, is there anybody like this in the whole kingdom of Egypt who can interpret dreams on whose hand and whose life is the spirit of God? and he pulled him out of jail, pulled him out of prison, made him second only to Pharaoh, gave him a chariot, gave him ring, told the whole nation of Egypt, when Joseph comes walking by, you bow down, you bow down. And so he who had been persecuted, betrayed, hurt, stepped on, spit on, wronged, became promoted second only to Pharaoh in the entire kingdom of Egypt. Everybody say, there is a God. But I gotta tell you though, I gotta tell you, I wanna go back now. Let me just spend a little bit of time today on how in the world, before all these good things happened to him, how in the world did he survive emotionally? How did he get through this? How did he deal with this? How did he keep his head above water? What prevented him from being eaten alive by the betrayals? What prevented him, I wanna know, from seeking vengeance on Potiphar's wife, sister Potiphar, and his brothers once he became second only to Pharaoh? Most of us, the minute he put a ring on our finger and promoted us, would have said, I'm calling sister Pharaoh out here right now. You know what else he didn't do? When he was put into all this power and all of Egypt was at his control, he did not send out a search party to get his brothers. There is this trust in Joseph. I just leave everything to you. I leave her to you. I leave them to you. I leave everything to you, God, because I believe. And here's what carried him through. He believed God had a plan. Can you say it with me? He believed God had a plan. Now say with me, he believed God was in charge. Now it's easy to say it's hard to believe. How is God in charge when I've been betrayed over and over again? How is God in charge when I'm in a dungeon? How is God in charge that I have been sold into slavery? But he believed that God had a plan and he believed that God was in charge. And then he sought God in his pain. God had a plan. God had a plan. Let's just start right there. Do you believe that God has a plan? Watch this. He is able to make all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called, 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 called according to his purpose. That means God has a plan. God had revealed a plan to him before all of his troubles hit. So Joseph trusted that what was happening to him was not the final chapter. And what is happening to you is not the final chapter. You don't walk out of a movie in the middle. You don't put a book down in the middle. You go to the last chapter to find out what the author had in mind. You don't walk away from God halfway through. You don't walk away from God when you don't understand. You gotta believe God has a plan. He trusted that what was happening to him was not the final chapter, that what he saw was not all that there was. A number of years ago, 
I got my daughter an aquarium. Got her an aquarium, put a bunch of goldfish in it and these little tropical looking fish that you can get at Walmart. <laughs> and I stocked this aquarium, put the light over it, filled it full of those colored rocks and the little castle where they could go in and out and, and uh, all these little toys for the little fishies in the aquarium. And I used to love going in there at night and turning off all the lights and turning on that little fluorescent light and watching them in their world. Just being a fish. Now, it was therapeutic for me. And I started thinking when I was watching these things one night. They have no idea that there is a being of much higher intelligence, very different from them, watching every move they make. They have no idea that every day a hand with food drops food into their aquarium. They just know that it's there and they eat it. They have no idea that every once in a while I would thrust my hand in, move the castle around, clean the aquarium out, move the rocks around, and then withdraw it. I got to think in one night, there has to be a debate in the aquarium. There are those who believe in the hand. And there are those who say, no, there's no hand. And there are those in that aquarium who would say, I guarantee you I've seen the hand. I saw it. I saw it come in. I saw it move things around. I saw it clean this place up and then I saw it depart. And once or twice, it's even brushed up against me. I had a Holy Ghost fit. <laughs> but then the other one say, no, there is no hand. There is no, that's a figment of your imagination. There is no hand. That castle moves by itself. Those rocks are there on their own. The whole, the way this whole thing has evolved takes care of itself. There's no hand. And so there was a debate. There were those that believed in the hand and those that did not believe in the hand. Those who believed in the hand eventually evolved to the place where they believed the hand had a plan. Because every time that hand comes down in this aquarium, it moves things around. It makes life more palatable, more doable, more enjoyable for us. I believe that not just there is a hand, but the hand has a plan. The hand is attached to something else. And that being has a plan. Because other than that, nothing else makes any sense. So you had those that believed in the hand, those that did not. Those who believed in the hand had the security that there was a plan behind the hand. Now, let me tell you something, folks. We are not just in this world. It did not just happen. You did not evolve from a monkey. You did not evolve from an ape. Your distant ancestors did not crawl out of some ancient sea and grow legs and grow arms and grow a mouth and grow eyes. We are in our own little aquarium. Now, guess what? Here's what I thought that one night. Not only were they aware of a hand, but here's what they weren't aware of, that beyond their aquarium was a room. And beyond that room, a house. And beyond that house, a city. Beyond that city, a world. Beyond that world, a universe. There was so much they could not see. Every once in a while, there would be evidence of the other place coming into their aquarium. Today we worship God and the hand came in. The presence of God. The hand is moving right now among us. And when we all leave, the hand and the God behind the hand is still living in his heaven. And that heaven invades earth all the time. But see, what we can't see, that's why Paul said, on my very best day, I see through a glass darkly. 
There are things I don't understand, but here's what Joseph believed. Joseph had to believe this or he would have gone crazy with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness in his life for what had been done to him. He had to believe that God had a plan and he had to believe in the hand the hand of providence, the hand of sovereignty, the hand of God moving in his life towards a desired end. He had to believe that God was bigger, stronger, mightier than anything people were doing. He believed that God had a plan. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. Now let me tell you something, folks. In your life, when there are trials, difficulties, fire, you go through difficult things. You only see that. You're in your aquarium. But faith says there is a guiding hand of providence, a guiding hand of sovereignty, and it's leading, and it's working, and the footstep that God is leaving in your life is bigger, stronger, greater than anything men do. God is going to override and overrule what men do. He's working out a plan to a desired end. There is a hand with a plan. There is a God with a destiny. He's got something for you. He's guiding you. He's leading you down the path of life to a desired end. He believed that God was in charge. Do you believe that God is in charge? He had to believe that God was in charge. You know, God, I've seen what my brothers did. I've seen what Potiphar's wife has done. I'm really in a bad spot. But God, I believe that you're in charge. I believe that you're mightier than all these circumstances. And I believe if I just hang on long enough, I'll go to the end of the book and see the final chapter and see that you were in charge the whole time. The Bible teaches that none of God's purposes can fail. I don't believe that a believer, that a Christian can die before his time. You are, you are indestructible until God is done with you. The Bible teaches, God said in Isaiah, I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying my purpose, my plan will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. No matter what happens to you in life, can you say with me, God's plan will take place. If I keep faith, and walk with him. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord, it will stand. It says there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan of men or of devils that can succeed against the Lord. Glory to God. I don't care how deep your valley is, God's gonna take you out to the other side. I don't care how hot the oven is, it's not hotter than the power of God. I don't care what Satan has tried to do, he's going to undo Satan's strongest attempts to take you down. He is going to cancel satanic assignments and set you free and bring you to the other side. God has a plan. 
The great Bible character Job, after his extreme trials and great suffering, said this about God. You can do all things and no purpose, not any purpose of yours, can be thwarted. God has a plan. Joseph had to have believed this. He had to have believed this or he would have gone crazy. The third thing he did, he sought God in his pain. He sought God in his pain. He sought God in his pain. The Bible tells us about a certain king who got diseased in his feet. And it says the disease was severe. And the Bible says he died. And the reason he died was because he didn't seek God in his affliction. You know, folks, God allows problems into our life that they might become stepping stones to a higher place, not stumbling stones to a lower place. He wants every problem, every trial, every fire, every test to take us higher. But the only way that's going to happen is if you look up and say, Lord, I believe you have a plan. I believe you're in charge and I'm going to seek you in this affliction. David said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I seek you and seek your word. He sought God in his pain. He had to have. The Bible says in James, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing your circumstances through God's eyes. David in one place said, I would have been overwhelmed by my circumstances, and I was overwhelmed until I went into the house of God and sought your face. And then he said, now I see. There's two perspectives, yours and God's. And we get God's perspective via wisdom. And wisdom comes when we seek God in our pain. Some people, when they're in pain, it drives them away from God. They don't go to church anymore. They get offended. They quit praying. I've talked to quite a few of them. They quit seeking God. They get an attitude. What's the matter with you? Huh, it just didn't work for me. What didn't work for you? It. What's it? Oh, you know, the, the, all that Christian stuff didn't work for me. No, no, that's not true because God and anybody in here who can tell me God's ever failed you, stand up and say it. You can't do it because God, when you sought him, has never failed you, not one time. God said to me once, he said, Jeff, why are you down? Have I ever failed you? And I thought about it and I thought, no, you never have failed me. You have never once failed me. You've been true every time to me. He said, well, then I'm going to do it now. So just be quiet. Wisdom is seeing your circumstances through God's eyes. What was Joseph's testimony on the other side of this incredible trial he went through? I know that he sought God in his pain because here is what God showed Joseph. One day Joseph was praying. It might have been in the dungeon. It might have been in Potiphar's house. We don't know where, but we do know the day came when Joseph received God's understanding of what he was going through. If it had been you and me, Here's what we would have told people. Life was great until my brothers came along. They betrayed me. They ruined my life. I don't pray anymore. I don't see God anymore. And I've got every right in the world to be bitter. And not only them, but boy, I got to tell you, then along came some woman, lied about me. Now I've got nothing. I'm just angry and bitter. That's not what Joseph said. Joseph said to his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. Watch this now, that you sold me here. 
for God did send me. Joseph, you had too much pizza last night. God didn't send you anywhere. They sold you up the river, Joseph. No, because when he sought God in his pain, God said, Joseph, my call is on your life. My purposes are all over you. I've got a purpose for you. And so your brother's intended evil, that's for sure. But I, the overpowering, the overruling, the sovereign, the providential God took what they intended for evil and I worked it for my good because I've got a call on your life and nothing anybody does to you is gonna hinder that call. If somebody comes against you, I'm gonna turn it around and make it work for your good. Everything is gonna serve your good because my call is on your life. So Joseph said, God sent me. God sent me before you, and here's why, to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there won't be any plowing, not any harvest. It's gonna be tough times, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives, to save your lives, to save your lives. Wait a minute, the lives of the ones who, who turned on me? Yes. God was bigger than all of this. And he sent me before you to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me to this place, but God. And he has made me ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now they're just standing there going, how could this be? How real was this to Joseph? It was so real, so real, that about 13 years after they sold him into slavery, he was married, he had two sons. These sons were born. First, Manasseh. This deliverance of God, this revelation that God had been in charge the whole time, and he's in charge in your life. Pastor Jeff, he can't be in charge of the stuff I'm going through. He's bigger than what you're going through. He's gonna work it for your good. Romans 8, 28. He never even wastes a pain. If the enemy causes you pain, he'll give you double for your trouble. He's in charge. We've got to start seeing that he's in charge. No, he didn't move on those people to treat you the way they did, but he's going to overrule it and work it for your good. The first one he called Manasseh, meaning making forgetful, making forgetful. Of him, Joseph said, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. I get to see him at nights. He's sitting in his palace. He used to be in a dungeon. He's gone from pit to pinnacle. He's sitting in his palace. His wife is over there making some great steak. His kids are running around. The first time he says, forgetful, come here. Come here, daddy, forgetful. Do you know why I called you forgetful? Because God has made me forget. He's taken away the sting of all my pain. Oh no, I remember that they betrayed me, but there's no sting with it. There's no pain with it. Because I see that, that God was the one leading me to this place so that you, forgetful, could even be. Give daddy a kiss, forgetful. And the second son was named Ephraim, meaning fruitfulness. Oh, I love this. Fruitfulness, fruitfulness, fruitfulness. Come here, forgetful. Come here, fruitful. Sit on daddy's other knee. Fruitful, I love you. You know why I called you fruitful? because God has made me fruitful in the very land where they intended to destroy me. He didn't just deliver me. He made me fruitful. He made me successful. He's made me triumphant in the very place they expected me to die. Come on, everybody. 
So say with me, God had a plan. God was in charge. And faith in those two facts carried him through. So he could say to those men in prison, hey, what's the matter? I'm okay, I'm feeling great today because I know God has a plan and I know he's in charge. Come here forgetful, come here fruitful. Don't you want to someday, with the pain you're in right now, want to be able to stand there and say, oh yeah, I remember it, but I don't think about it much. There's no pain involved. And look at what God has done. I'm fruitful where the devil thought he would destroy me. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day, and thanks for listening to Hardwired.